Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather, they point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. I recently got a beautiful letter from a listener who's been a yoga student of mine for many years. Her father had recently died, and she, she'd she been able to be present with him through the last days of his life when hospice had already been called in. And she wrote in her letter to me that he had been one of her favorite people, while at the same time being one of her biggest heartbreaks. And when I read her words, I just exhaled because I know how she feels. There have been multiple humans in my life that have held that paradox for me. And my dad is actually included on that list. Family can be really, 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 really hard because the stakes are high and the expectations are usually high. And because the exit plan with family is not easy. So we weather it and we limp along with each other and we, we love, we forgive, we hope, we learn about boundaries, ours and theirs, and we repair or we try to over and over again. Lots of duct tape and glue and creativity and sweeping the dirt elsewhere and underneath. And we start over. This episode is not just about family, but I want to start here because for so many people, that is the center of their soreness. But I think this episode is about complexity and paradox and the relief ultimately that comes from recognizing that people are who they are always and ultimately. And we have to watch them for clues on how to love them or build bridges, or hold boundaries, or to just sit with them and watch the rain without needing to be productive. And it's so hard sometimes to let people be who they are going to be, and not who we need them to be or who we want them to be. There's almost always a certain heartbreak that spoons our favorite humans, maybe even especially our favorites. And oftentimes parents fall into this category because of the incredibly important roles that they fill. They are the ones that gave us blood and the ones that we cut our teeth on. They are the ones who first pushed us and the ones we first pushed against in order to find our own way. And they were supposed to do it right. My dad was brilliant and he was hard. And he was sometimes the only one who really got me. But he had some anger that ran through him that was red hot. And his coldness could clear a room. And simultaneously, he could be so soft and warm and generous all at once. One time, he left me on the side of the interstate alone. I was probably 20 years old. 
He pulled over, told me to get out of the car somewhere between Birmingham and Montgomery. I don't even remember why. I don't remember what we were talking about. But I think I said something that turned his switch off. And that was before cell phones. And so he just said, get out. And I walked to a payphone, which was probably half a mile or so. And I called my boyfriend at the time, and I was sobbing. And he came and got me. Most of the time, though, my dad listened to me so deeply, so lovingly, that I felt like no one knew me better than he did. And we would talk for hours on the phone about books and philosophy and writing and poetry. And he was a very deep file. And he certainly had some demons that kept him awake at night. Interestingly, when people die, their file drawers close, and then we get to decide, the people who stay alive get to decide which memories to call up. And the memories that have anger and hurt, they seem to get less hot after a while, less charged. And it becomes easier to memorialize our people in a state of gratitude rather than a state of hurt. At least that's how it's played out for me. I am a beginner gardener, very new to all of it. But I'm really attracted to the process and I'm trying to learn. My sister-in-law, Christy, and her partner, Jim, they're master gardeners. And Jim, they came out to visit us. Um, when we were moving, and Jim gifted us two pear trees for our new home, which is one of my favorite gifts that I've ever received. It feels like he gave us a process of hope and something we, we could watch and wait for and something that will unwrap itself in her own time over the years. We were chatting about this on text recently about how surprised we are that the pear trees are blooming already, both of them even though they are just babies. And Jim wrote back, one thing you'll learn about gardening and life is that you have limited control over anything but yourself. And I, I found this to be true when I read it, of course, but it's certainly something I forget and have to be reminded of. Because especially with family, and maybe even pear trees, <laughs> our expectations are so finely tuned. We think it should be this way. We think it should be our way, the way that makes sense. My mother's mother, I called her Mama. I remember that she used to say a lot. She would say, why don't people just do right? And I would think, yeah, why don't they just do right? We all feel that way, don't we? Just do right. Jim reminded me this week that gardening is the best metaphor we can weed and we can prune and water and mulch and do all of those right things that the best gardeners do. And then we have to be witness to what is naturally wild and complex. Living plants and living people will grow and turn and twist as they are intended to, no matter how much we try to control their journey. People will bloom when they're damn well ready to or not, and they will offer you fruit in the timing that is mapped inside of them, or they won't. And sometimes 
people always hold you at bay and and leave you wanting more. There are those people in your journey that are always going to leave you wanting more. The need for repair comes when we try to control how other people love us and how other people lean on us. And when we try to do all the right things and then still our favorites will devastate us. So why don't people just do right? (laughs) Well, because their right is not your right and we're all just searching around for our sense of belonging, I think. We occasionally will stumble on the lucky when somebody really wants to be in the hard conversations with us, and that is certainly lucky. So hang on to those. We have so much to repair with the people that we love, and I'm not saying at all that we we let it go and we become a, a passive cold fish. And I'm certainly not saying that we allow ourselves to get left on the side of the interstate without consequence or without conversation. But I do believe that we're all a mixture of both good and bad and all the spaces in between. And I think maybe what my, my student was asking for me to talk about when she wrote to me was a certain reassurance of this most strange and tender paradox that that somebody can be our favorite and they can break our heart in the same lifetime and that we can cut both of these truths at once in our hands and the it's the paradox that we can count on so here's the ask can we witness our people as if they were pear trees celebrating when they blossom when they bear fruit And then paying attention when they look brittle and dry and when they might need help. And then tend to them accordingly. But then also remember, it's not always about tending or doing anything in your control, but instead about witnessing and staying in wonder about the wildness that's mapped inside each of us, even when it's our parents or our best friend, or our sister. Because whether we are young and untethered, or old with lots of stories and crusty baggage, we are still who we are, from skin to soul, as my bright friend Gina says. We are who we are. And so is everybody else. I wonder if the world would feel less cruel If we got more curious about one another instead of trying to fit each other in boxes that we continue to build. My dad told me a story about when he was little. I think I think he was six or so. It was in a small town. He grew up in a small town called Chickasaw, Alabama, which is very near Mobile. And he was born in 1946, so it would have been the early 1950s when this story took place. My grandparents, Granny and Papa, his parents, had dentures. They had false teeth for as long as I can remember. And I guess as long as my dad could remember, too. I don't think they ever had the education, the money, or the know-how to take care of their teeth. So it was expected kind of in the family that people would just lose their teeth, I guess, and no one would ever go to the dentist. Well, 
My dad was the baby of the family by a considerable margin. And his older sister, Bobby, and his older brother, Billy, had never been to the dentist either. So this was, this was back when little kids could just wander around the town <laughs> without consequence. Um, and my dad said he was alone just walking around one afternoon in, in Chickasaw. And then he just walked into a local neighborhood dentist office. I really love this story. It's so 1950s. He just went to the counter and he said he would like to get his teeth cleaned and fixed. And they said, okay. And they took him back without any adult or consent. And they cleaned his teeth. And I asked him how he paid for it. And he said they called Papa to come up there and pay the bill. Papa did. My dad said, and he sort of seemed kind of proud and tickled about it. Um, so Papa came down and paid the bill, and that was that. And my dad changed the course of dental health in our family at six years old. He told me that he was certain, had he not walked in there that day, that he probably would have needed dentures one day too. And he was very clear that that day's event set up the course for him not losing his teeth. And the reason that I love this story so much is when I would get the most hurt by my dad's coldness, I would remember, I would try to remember this six-year-old and his audacity and his independence and his fortitude and how that was the way that he grew in that family that he was in many ways on his own, not because Granny and Papa didn't love him, because they did very dearly, but because there was partly an aloofness to that time period in terms of childhood. Today, we hover and we henpeck and we helicopter and we worry more, I think, than they used to. The illusions of parental perfection were shattered earlier back then. <laughs> And you sort of, as a kid, just had to figure it out. And you had to go find a dentist if you wanted your teeth to be good. And it wasn't just the time period either. My dad's mother, my granny, was wild and generous and lovely and hard all at once. She did not mother my dad consistently, but instead got swept into her own depressive storms. And his older sister, Bobby, would step in to mother so those places of longing and betrayal started pretty young for him, I think. But his eyes changed when he talked about Granny. Oh, she was his, his favorite, and he loved her so much. And I loved Granny because of how much he loved her. And I know he saw his own storms were born out of her storms, but I think that made him love her all the more. And that part I get, too. Family is hard because we are hard. Each of us as individuals are our own little planet of wounds and expectations, completely understood by only us. Why can't they just do right? Our ability to repair gets better when we witness people instead of try to control them. We are witness 
to a lifespan, when we are looking at somebody in front of us, we are witness to a collection of things that happened to them from very early on until now, their anger, their joy, their resilience, their resourcefulness is a direct result of what they have decided to do with what they have been handed. And we're so complex, hoping that we help more than we hurt in this lifetime. We're all pretty tender and heartbroken between the bones, I think. But as Jim reminds me, We can only hold witness to each other. We can watch and water and wait. We can try to stay in control of ourselves, but we better not hope for much else. And if we do that, the simultaneous favorites and heartbreaks make sense together because each of us is all that. Each of us is both. Because the storms will come and the people will disappoint us, even the ones we love the most, maybe especially. Y'all know I love the show Ted Lasso. I've talked about it before. There's something he says. (laughs) His character is fantastic. There's something that he says towards the end of season one that hit me like a lightning bolt. He said, stay curious instead of judgmental. I really wish that I could remember this in my hardest hurting moments. Stay curious instead of judgmental. Wonder when that tree will flower. Wonder when that human will bear fruit. I wonder what will happen if I witnessed that person who has hurt me deeply, witness them for who they are instead of who I want them to be. Maybe I should bring them some water. They look dried out. I am curious if she will notice what I need. I am curious if she will call. I am curious if he can muster up the courage to say he's sorry. And it's not easy, of course. I'm kind of saying it like it's easy, and it's actually really hard for me too. Even the best family is hard. Even chosen family is hard. The people who are not blood, but people you have chosen to be inner circle What about blood family we didn't choose, we wouldn't choose? So, so hard. But still, we can witness, if nothing else. We can go to the dentist, even if our parents didn't think of it and didn't make space for it. And when it comes time, we can change how we mother forward if our mothers got lost along the way behind us. Because that's the only thing that we can really do. My dad's brother, older brother, Billy, had a two-year-old and a four-year-old by the time he was 20. At a New Year's Eve party when Billy was 20, and this is a true story, the mother of those babies, his wife, ran away with the piano player at the party close to midnight. He never saw her again, and those babies never saw their mother again. They were my cousins, those babies. And I knew my cousins to grow up and become fierce and loving people and parents. We are meant to repair as a species. We are built to repair. Last week on Mother's Day, I saw a post by a friend, and she said, I mother well because I was mothered well. And I thought, yes, me too. But that's not always the case. 
Some people mother well because they were never properly mothered. Some people change the legacy line. They move the needle to a healing paradigm because they never had it themselves. Even then, it's never perfect. Even then, our wounds crop up and we fuck it up somehow. We are built to repair. We are resilient as humans. I would say to myself and to you, be careful of how judgment can harden you. Our expectations of our garden's produce makes us rigid instead of living in a state of wonder. I wonder why that pear tree seems not to be happy where it is, discontent in its soil. I wonder, I'm curious, what makes one person shut down and another person get up and try again. Same soil, different reaction. I wonder what the difference is in the soil of those two trees side by side. What's different? I'm trying to wonder instead of to take it personally. My dad, he also learned to swim by reading the encyclopedia (laughs) at the Chickasaw Pool in southern Alabama. Step by step, he would get out of the pool to read the next step in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Something in him was comfortable there, learning in solitude. And he passed that on to me, and he's lucky, I think, that I learned from his darkness instead of getting swallowed by it. And I even became curious about it. But that's easier to say now that he isn't here anymore. He would be proud of that, I think. I think he would be proud of this podcast, even though I'm telling our stories I think it would help him heal, too, because the demons are less scary when you pull them out into the light. I don't know, though, if I would have been brave enough to do it while he was still alive. I think that we have a better day-to-day, a better life when we watch instead of grip. Because, of course, the control we have is minimal, I used to be really afraid of airplane turbulence. Two things repaired that fear for me that somebody told me once. One is that turbulence rarely means that a crash is coming. So there's that fact. It's just like bumps on the asphalt, just bumps in the car. Doesn't mean you're going to crash. You probably won't. But the second thing they told me is what really helped me get over this intense fear Even if you are going to crash, you can't do a damn thing about it. Gripping and worrying will not change the plane's course. So relax your body if you can and then witness it. (laughs) Easier said than done, right? But I do think about that when someone does something that leaves me gripping and anxious. Ted Lasso's advice is really on my desk right now. Curiosity instead of judgment. Curiosity opens up possibility. Judgment tends to tell a false narrative and hardens the walls between us. Nothing is possible then. So my listener who wrote to me, who asked me to talk about nuance and complexity in relationships, I don't know if I landed on anything for you. But I'm going to keep throwing a stick at it in this podcast because I don't think it could be wrapped into one episode. The paradox of our favorites that double as our heartbreaks is one of the hardest things in this life. The betrayal, 
the fierce love, the attachments, and the intensity of the ones that we want the most, the ones we want to do right. I'll close with a call to be easy on yourself, to be sweet to yourself as you try not to keep score of the ways people have been unkind or unfair. And in this very weird way, we're always going to be alone in this quest of understanding, in this quest for our own wild, and in the the tall ask of not trying to dictate anyone else's wild either. For me, there's both relief in this and loneliness too. But we keep going because that's what we do. And we remember to honor the ways, the wild ways that we grow, the special ways that we're each mapped. And we try to mark the moments where we intersect. Take care of yourself. Take care of your favorites. We're meant to repair. Thank you so much today for listening to Things That Will Help podcast. Uh, please write to me. Uh, tell me your stories. And... Um, Ask me questions when you write to me, and I'm happy to, to mulch it into a, to an episode if I can. Um, there is information about becoming a patron of this podcast on the show notes. It's so helpful. You're definitely keeping the lights on, those of you who are my patrons, and you get a bonus episode each week, a practice, a physical practice to go along with these teachings um, that you might like. So have a beautiful week. Take good care of yourself. Thank you so much.